0: Into the five left hash marks 10 15. Hits a hole hard. He's to the 25 30. Breaks into the clear. Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races. It's secretariat at the Belmont. Down the sprints they come. No one will catch him. It is a touchdown. And here's the snap. Stanford, tight pocket. Hit as he throws left side. Yes! Yes! It's yes! Douglas right sidelines. Douglas to the house. High stepping. Touchdown. This is the Quick Slants Podcast. What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to the Quick Slants Podcast at Game On Wisconsin. I am your host, Jason Perrone. You can find me on x slash Twitter at Jason Perrone. You can follow Game On Wisconsin at Game On WI. Happy Monday. Happy game day. Happy Packers game day. The Packers will appear on Monday Night Football Today, later today, they will take on the New York Giants in the Meadowlands. In New York, a big road game and a big game for the Packers who come in off of a three-game win streak and are looking to stay in the hunt for a playoff spot in the NFC. Should be a good one. Get on Monday Night Football. A little bit of news here for the Packers, and then we'll talk about some of the stuff that happened yesterday around the NFL and what the seedings and all of the scenarios look like right now. So the Packers picked up over the weekend, they picked up a cornerback. This was David Long, picked him up off of waivers from the Carolina Panthers. Long was with the Rams. He was a mid-round pick in 2019. He did play in their Super Bowl win in uh, 2021. He played on that team, played quite a bit of minutes in that Super Bowl game, and he had a pick six against the Cardinals uh, in a playoff game that season as well. He's familiar with Joe Barry, so he's played in Joe Barry's system. And so he adds some nice depth to the defensive backfield. And from what I assume would be the cornerback room, he's listed as DB. I think he can play a little safety, but I think the Packers have him in to play corner. So he'll boost it, boost that position group and he'll add some depth there. Now the Packers got the big game tonight. As far as as uh, we know already, there's, there's other players whose statuses are yet to be determined, but we know that there will no, be no Jair Alexander, no Christian Watson, and Quay Walker was listed as doubtful. It doesn't seem likely that he will play, so those three look to be out. Aaron Jones did practice every day leading up to this game. It looks like he might have a chance to go, which would be really big for the Packers again, in a game that they have to have. All these games are must-haves for Green Bay, these last uh, last games on the schedule here, these last five. So it's not do or die, obviously, but the Packers can can create a lot of opportunities for themselves by just winning their games and not relying on any help. But you know, while we're talking about that, and I do also want to talk about the Jair Alexander situation as well, his injury and some of the chatter that went on over the past couple of days as well. Let's take a look at the games from Sunday. So as of recording time, which is late on Sunday here, we know that the following results have happened. The Chicago Bears took down the Detroit Lions in a bit of a surprise there, so the Lions drop they're down to the, to the third seed. They have their fourth loss of the season. The Ravens end up beating the Rams in overtime on a walk-off punt return for a touchdown. That was pretty thrilling in Baltimore. So the Rams lose. Somebody finally scored some points in the Vikings-Raiders game. Uh, three to nothing was the final Vikings win after a, a field goal with less than two minutes to play where the first point scored in that one. So I, I apologize to anybody who had to sit through that one in person. My goodness, what a what an absolute slop fest. And you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Falcons. The Saints beat the Panthers, as we expected that, of course, they would and should. The Panthers have only won one game all season. They're 1-12, firmly in the, in the driver's seat for that first overall pick, which belongs to the Chicago Bears. And the San Francisco 49ers took down the Seattle Seahawks, which also helps the Packers as Seattle is in the hunt for one of those wild card spots. So, if the Eagles are able to take down the Cowboys, as of recording time, that game has not been played. So if Philly wins the game tonight, the Packers will remain the seventh seed in the NFC, and they'll keep it whether they win or lose later today. So that is obviously an, an ideal scenario for the Packers. They didn't get everything that they wanted this this past weekend, but they did get a little bit of help and a little bit of circumstance that went in their favor. So it's just fun. Here we are in almost mid-December, and we're actually getting a chance to look at the ESPN playoff machine. We're talking playoffs, all of this stuff. This is great vibes for this Packers team. And as I said on the last show and on last Thursday's Pack-A-Day podcast, this is all right in front of the Packers. They're actually in a better place this year than they were last year where they had to win games and they needed the help to get in. They had to win. They couldn't afford to lose. And they needed other things to happen to help them do what they needed to do. We all know how that ended. Came down to the last game of the season. They couldn't get it done against the Lions. Well, the Packers have a little bit of breathing room here. Like I said, even if they don't win tonight, they still have, they're not eliminated. They still have a chance to to make the playoffs. And I don't know that they necessarily have to win out either. But obviously that would be a much better scenario. Go in winning, go in hot, continue to play well, take care of business. The Packers, six and a half point favorites against the Giants should win this game, but obviously the game has to be played. And there's uh, 60 minutes of football ahead of us here that, that has to go well. So that's where we sit right now. Packers are in a pretty good position here. Uh, obviously, a victory is going to go a long way against an NFC opponent. So let's get back to this whole this whole Jair Alexander thing because there was a lot of chatter on X slash Twitter about it. And it was fueled recently by ESPN Milwaukee Steve the Homer True with the Homer Hour and his co-host Gary Ellerson, former Packer, who on Friday discussed Jair Alexander and both basically said that they feel that Jair's time in green Bay is running out, that he doesn't seem like he wants to be there. They're dissecting his comments and his body language and his demeanor to the media. And it just doesn't seem in their opinion, like from an optics optics standpoint, that he's in a good place that he has a good relationship with the green Bay Packers. Now, Ellerson used the term Aaron Rodgers and Bakhtiari effect, which is, which then, which when he was talking about Jair Alexander, which would then obviously drew the ire of David Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari came at him on Twitter and said, what do you mean by the Bakhtiari effect? And also of ESPN, you've got Jason Wildy of, of Wildy & Tausch, who is, has said that in his opinion, the relationship between Jair Alexander and head coach Matt LaFleur does not seem to be great. And Jason is in the locker room all the time. So I don't know what that means, uh, but... You know, that seems to carry a little bit more weight than the stuff that Homer and Gary said, which was projected. And it's obviously not based on any factual things there. I, I will say that Gary has a long history of not being the biggest fan of Aaron Rodgers. He's never said he doesn't he doesn't like Rodgers or that he hates him, but we know that he's not a huge, huge Rodgers fan. And so I'm thinking that he probably just is inferring that because David Bakhtiari is close to Aaron Rodgers when Aaron left, that David just kind of disconnected and checked out of Playing in Green Bay. Well, Bakhtiari played Week One against the Bears, right? He's he's injured, and they decided pretty early on this season he wasn't going to play anymore. He had a pretty bad injury. We know it took him a long time to get back and even play a game in the first place, and be able to finish out last season and play last season. David Bakhtiari has not said anything to the effect of that he doesn't want to play for the Packers. In fact, earlier last week he exchanged a tweet. I don't remember who he tweeted to or who he responded to, but said that the plan is for him to play in Green Bay in 2024. So. I don't know where all of this Bakhtiari effect and all that stuff comes from. I can understand players are very, obviously very sensitive and they take comments very personal about their playing careers. They go through hell every week to get ready to play football games. I don't think we understand everything these NFL players do to get ready to play, to get healthy, to recover from the soreness, the bumps, the bruises, the injuries, the aches. It's mid-December. Everybody's hurting right now. Everybody is hurting right now. And I know Bakhtiari isn't because he's not playing right now, but he has 10 years of NFL experience. And so, obviously, he's like, you're going to come at me like that? Like, this is very personal to these guys. And Packers fans, obviously, didn't take too kindly to what Gary said. Gary Ellerson said and really kind of came at him. And, and, and I guess it was kind of warranted. Ellerson tried to walk it back. And I thought that was that was kind of interesting where he tried to say that he was, wasn't talking about Bakhtiari Wanting to play in Green Bay, but him having the power and exercising the power that players fought for so long for him to have, where he has choices, where he can either stay in Green Bay or get out. I think that was just totally walking it back, and I don't, I don't think that was that was really what he meant to say. I okay, that's fine. I think he was insinuating Bakhtiari doesn't want to be in Green Bay. It didn't go over well, obviously, right? And so that's not great, not a not a not a great thing. And I'll talk more about the media in a minute here, but Jair Alexander is dealing with a shoulder injury. He confirmed this to the media last week. The shoulder is the issue. That's what's keeping him out. Jair Alexander is also not the average human being. Obviously, from a, a football playing standpoint, he can play NFL football. A lot of humans can't play NFL football, but he's also a very unique personality, right? I mean, I can at least agree that Jair can come off as short with the media and and like he doesn't take things seriously and he's just kind of messing around. The whole, I'm just going to lie to you thing last week to the gaggle of reporters, like, Okay, I, you know I get it. He's quirky. His being questionable and practicing, but then never playing in a game, it can seem odd. But this is a guy who had a shoulder injury two years ago, and just never really came back and ended up doing the things that he wanted to do in the playoffs or that season. I think he came back and played in the playoffs, but he wasn't effective. Like it, it was a thing. You know, these guys, like I said, he's he's not the biggest dude on the field. So for him to be able to go. I think he's got to be able to practice to see if he can go, if he can be 100%, and if he's not deemed 100%, then he doesn't play. Just because guys practice doesn't mean that they're healthy enough to play, right? There's a reason why Green Bay's not putting him on injured reserve. They're hoping that he's going to be available week to week. Unfortunately, that's just not been the case. We won't see him in tonight's game. He's already been ruled out. I understand it's frustrating for some Packers fans, but we really don't know what's going on in the locker room none of this stuff's been confirmed. So it's speculation. And therefore there's this narrative that's gotten out there that Jair is choosing not to play by a lot of fans and fans aren't in the locker room. Right. But that's what they're, that's what they're coming to the conclusion of. Because in the absence of truth, the human mind fills in whatever information it wants to fill in there. So I'm just saying it, you know, that, that, They're saying Jair not wanting to play and he's causing issues in the locker room and he isn't doing his part to help the team. That is a really big conclusion to jump to. And furthermore, Jair himself said last week he expects his team to run the table and win out. He had a lot of praise for Carrington Valentine after his performance against the Chiefs last week. Does that sound like somebody who who couldn't care less about returning, who doesn't want to play and be a part of this team? Because that doesn't make sense to me. Those things don't go together just confusing, and it's confusing if you believe, oh, Jair's just dogging it, what the, but then he's coming out and saying all these things and supporting his teammates. Mm, I, I, don't, I don't know that that stuff makes sense, and that's why I think we're in this mess right here, is all these opinions and things that are flying around, but we really just don't know because we're not Jair Alexander, we're not Matt Lafleur, we're not in the Packers locker room, right? So I just, now in, you know, in the end of this whole thing, Jair may end up not being happy. In Green Bay, things might take a turn, right? But like I said, there are five more games to play this season, at least. Likely a game, two, possibly three or four beyond that in January, February, dare I say it. I mean, at the very least, I expect 23 to try and be out there. I really do. Think if he could be, he would be. You know, these guys are professional football players. This is their job. I don't think you want to stand on the sidelines. You want to be out there having fun with your teammates, right? This is the same guy who was doing the gritty all over Lambeau Field last year when he was shutting down Justin Jefferson and the Vikings on Christmas Day or on New Year's New Year's Day. So this, he, he, you know, he's loves playing football. I don't think he's enjoying being injured. It's his sixth year in the league. This is a guy that saw three straight teams that he was on that were championship contenders fall just short of a Super Bowl. He knows that the special moments like this, uh, this team appears to be in the midst of are rare. And, He's got to want to be a part of it. I just, he maybe he doesn't, but I just don't think that the Packers are better with Jair off the field, and I don't think that Jair is better off not playing. Again, once the season ends, we might get more clarity on whether there was an injury or other stuff going on, and who knows? Maybe Jair won't be on this team beyond the season, but I'm not about to say that's going to happen. I don't, that's not happening right now. It's just not happening. As we sit here right now, if you're asking for my take, Jair Alexander is hurt. He's trying to get himself healthy. healthy. He's practicing to see if he can go. He can't go. He's not playing. End of story. That's it. That's it. The media and this conversation on social media, this is the worst part of this whole thing. You can be frustrated at Jair Alexander and and upset that he's not playing. To me, the worst part is not uh, not not having Jair out there. That's not great, but the worst part is us. And, and I and I I don't necessarily mean myself specifically or you the listener right now, but it's the it's the fans, it's the media out there. There's just a sea of opinions that we can't avoid or unsee. And of course, whenever two sides or three sides or four sides, how many sides can't agree that they're on something, there's chastising, there's there's arguing, ridiculing, fighting. It just drags everyone down. That whole Bakhtiari effect, like I said earlier with with Gary Ellerson, was just a bad look. You know, is David Bakhtiari outspoken? Yes, he is. Does he speak freely and without a filter and say things sometimes that make you go, oh, did he really say that? Yes. Never said he doesn't want to be in Green Bay. Never said he was unhappy. Again, Gary Ellerson, you know, he knows that, that Aaron Rodgers worked his way out of Green Bay. No, they're good friends. I think the inferences, again, those types of things are dangerous. Because when you've got a wide audience like Gary does, that's where narratives get more fuel on their fire. And I'm not saying that it's Gary's responsibility, Jason Wildey, players. It's their responsibility to never start narratives, right? But when those types of guys are saying things on their platforms and they're making comments, it adds a lot of people believe it. People believe it. And it beca- this becomes where this game of telephone happens. And I know that it's real because I have friends and coworkers and family who, know that I podcast. And so I think they, they, they want my opinion on what's going on as if I cover the team. I don't, I just get to speak to all of you and I love doing it every week. Thank you all of course for being here, but they come up to me and they repeat the stuff that we've already heard on the radio, on TV. And they're, they're repeating the narrative as if, oh, this is a fact. And, and I'm just like, you know, you don't have to believe everything that you hear on the radio, you don't have to believe Skip Bayless, you don't have to believe Colin Coward or the ESPN or whoever Dan Orlovsky, you know Pat McAfee, all those guys. You don't have to listen to all that stuff, but they do, they do, and they think it's true because hey, I heard it on TV. Oh, it was on ESPN. It wouldn't be on ESPN if it wasn't true. It's got to be true. No, that's not necessarily the case, and this is this is how impressionable some fans and people are. So I just think it's a little irresponsible for someone to to make that kind of an inference about somebody's approach to doing their job, about their livelihood. It It was crossing the line a little bit. And I've always liked Gary Ellerson, and I still do. I think he's great. I think he's got a lot of really good insight, and he's worth listening to. His podcast, he's with Leroy Butler on the Leap Podcast, and those two guys are great. He was great when he was with Bill Michaels doing the post-game show, and when he was on the radio with Sparky back in the day before that whole show went, went away, he was very good there too. He had some nice elements to the Homer hour, but this was a misstep. And him getting checked was warranted, I think. But he's not perfect. No one is. So we don't need to continue to stone the guy. This was just a bad moment. And, you know, unfortunately, I don't think he handled the response to it very well, but we'll get over it. We'll move on. You know, we won't, some of us won't forget, but we'll, we'll, at some point we'll we'll get on and we'll move we'll move on. And the thing is, is that the Packers have a really, really big football game to play here, and this team has got to be ready and this team's mindset has to be right. And all of this stuff too brings me back to and got me thinking about the team and their culture and their vibe. Uh broken record. Every week I'm talking about it. Cause a team with a bad culture and a bad vibe, I think might actually have a what Gary Ellerson referred to as a bakhtiari effect. I don't think there is a bakhtiari effect because I don't think David Bakhtiari wants out of Green Bay. But what Gary is talking about, a sour attitude amongst players on a team or in a locker room, if the Packers had a bad culture, there would be an issue. But they don't. They really don't. And that's a testament to Matt LaFleur, his coaching staff, Brian Gudekunst, all the guys and the, the guys and women in the in the building that have kept this thing together. It's just how many decades and years going strong of the Packers being a tight organization, a well run organization with players that want to play there, that are, are succeeding and have good things to generally have good things to say when they're done playing. The feeling in the building at 1265 Lombardi Avenue is a good one. And I've talked about it a bunch this season because I, I talked about it a lot when I was questioning Matt LaFleur. And what seemed like on a weekly basis when they were losing all those games in a row about his ability to keep this team together because it was like, well, whatever he's doing ain't working because this team isn't responding. They're not playing well. They're losing games. They're putting themselves in position to win, but they can't get over the hump and they can't win games. This is the hallmark of a bad football team. And I say that all because above all the X's and O's, the Jimmy's, the Joe's, the air in the building might be the most important aspect to how the team and the entire organization really are operating. You know, over the years, we've seen teams fall completely apart after a losing streak. Finger pointing, guys giving up, fighting between coaches, players getting cut mid-season, all that kind of stuff. We've seen that stuff happen. Now, fortunately, we don't see a lot of that in Green Bay, mostly because they've been good and won a lot of games, and the guys weren't frustrated at that point. But we also don't see the Packers doing those types of things. We've also seen some teams become um, unstoppable during a long winning streak. Teams bounce back from losing and using it to galvanize themselves. I'll be the first to admit I thought this team was cooked when they were losing all those games. You, you heard me on this show. You have all the receipts, right? I'm here to tell you, I said it. I know I said it. I am happy to admit I, I, I thought it was over with. I thought Matt LaFleur was going to be on his way out. It was like, okay, you did great when Aaron Rodgers was your quarterback, but clearly you're not the guy to guide this young team, this young quarterback through these rough waters. The Packers are going to have to pivot. That, I literally thought that's where we were at there. There didn't seem to be an answer about how to keep it all together. And I know winning fixes a lot of things. And the Packers are doing that right now. They have two hallmark signature wins that they're coming off of. That is a huge credit to Matt LaFleur. Because I just thought he was up against it. You know, these players are too young. They don't know how to band together and become their own glue. There aren't enough leaders on this team to take the reins. Overcame it all. These players are growing up together. And these young players are becoming young players experienced players as they gain experience week by week they're growing up fast as we said they were going to have to unfortunately these players are growing up fast they're in, and they're improving and they're playing good football and guys are stepping in for I mean filling some huge shoes talk about Jair Alexander Corey Ballantyne is not co- confusing anybody for Jair Alexander but he's kept it together Russell Douglas is in Buffalo now and so they've had to get by and Darnell Savage was out for a while. Rudy Ford was out for a while. I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, we had Jonathan Owens and Anthony Johnson at safety in meaningful games, and the Packers still won those games. That's a a credit to the coaching staff. And it seemed like the biggest downfall on this Packers team of opting to go into this season with so many young players was going to be that they weren't going to have the experience. Here we are. it's really fun to watch. And for all the questions and criticisms that I dished out, I have to now give credit where credit is due. I have to, you know, when it's bad, I say it's bad. When it's good, I say it's good. And that goes to Matt LaFleur. It goes to the coaching staff. That includes Joe Barry. I don't care if you want to come up with all these next-gen stats and all these analytics and numbers that say, hey, the Packers really still aren't actually that good. I mean, I get it. They're not a juggernaut. But If you're winning games, I don't think, you know, to sit here and nitpick and say, well, but the defense still isn't really that good, or the offense still isn't really that good. Don't be fooled by all of this. I'm not being fooled by anything. I'm looking at the scoreboard, and the Packers are ahead on the scoreboard, and that's all I really need to see at at that point. And as I've said before, I always say it starts and stops at the top. So that's where I'm starting with the credit. He's done a great job with his staff. Everybody still engaged. Everybody still churning. Everybody still putting in the work, punching back when it seemed like they could possibly be picking in the top five of next year's draft, throwing punches, punching back, winning games, finding ways. And now they've won four of their last five. They beat the defending Super Bowl champions last week on national TV. The players are meeting on their own to get on the same page. And these are rookies. These are guys that are just learning the NFL and they already have the wherewithal to say, we got to get on the same page. Let's do this. Let's do this. And these aren't like players meetings, like, oh, hey, we have an issue. These are like Jordan Love and his receivers and running backs and everybody are getting together and saying, hey, let's talk about what we like, what we don't like. And we can see the juice on the field. Guys stepping in and playing, like I said, not just playing well enough, but they're winning games. And it makes the coach's job so much easier when they can plug certain players in and continue running their scheme. Now, obviously you can't plug in a backup and to a man, do the exact same things you do for with a starter, right? Isaiah, you know, Isaiah McDuffie going in for Quay Walker, yeah, can't do the same things. Quay Walker is way more athletic, but it's nice when you know, hey, we're not gonna lose five steps. We're only gonna lose maybe two. The little mistakes that were plaguing this team earlier in the season have cut down. That's good to see. They have to continue to be sound mentally there. I really think at some point, this team woke the you-know-what up. They really did. LaFleur, the players, and everyone said, hold up, stop, wait a minute, pause. My 90s hip-hop fans will recognize that phrase. And they said, this is not us. We are not doing this anymore. We are not playing crap football anymore. Football is a game where some of those intangible things can make a bigger difference than in like a baseball or basketball. You can run a bit faster in football. You can hit harder. You can decide to be different on the field of play. And when all 11 guys are putting in that extra 10%, the result is what we have. The result is what we have. A team that's playing their best football of the season. A playoff team in the NFC that has bounced back and frankly is a team I think a lot of other teams would probably not rather not face right now because they're hot. They're playing hot football. There's a lot of middle and average in the NFC. This is a great year to be in the thick of it all. It's a great year to be in the thick of it all. I told you. The Bears beat the Lions. The Lions right now are the third seed. So if the Packers end up somehow jumping into that sixth seed, they end up playing the Lions, I'll take that matchup again. I'll take it, even though it's in Detroit. I'll take it because the Lions are cooling off. They were playing great football earlier this season, but you want to be playing your best ball now. I mean, there's an outside chance, and I think it's probably tough. I mean, the Lions have some tough games coming up, but there's an outside chance here that Green Bay wins out and the Vikings, and obviously that means they beat the Vikings and the Vikings don't win all of their games. And Detroit stumbles a, a little bit here. The, the Packers could somehow slip in and win the division, but if nothing else, be that six seed, be that six seed. It's possible. It's very, very possible. And I think that to control the destiny and have that control in their own hands now already, is, again, it's it's so nice because all you have to do is focus on winning your games. You don't have to look at the scoreboard. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They will make the postseason if they continue to win. Simple, easy. They don't need a gaggle of help like they did last year. Maybe to win the division they do, but not to get into the playoffs. And that starts with the big game today. This Giants game is is a big one. It's a big one and they're all big. Like Jordan Love said last week, every game is a playoff game and that's not hyperbole. I think that's very true. This is Green Bay's third straight national TV game. They had Thanksgiving Day, Sunday Night Football against the Chiefs last week, and Monday Night Football now against the Giants. And on the road, the Packers are favored. Giants have not been very good this season. And now they're counting on backup quarterback Tommy DeVito to lead an offense that has not gotten much out of Saquon Barkley, their best player. He has one touchdown all season. Defensively, New York is not causing any Trembling in the boots. And the Packers' offense has been rolling these last two games. You know, for the first time since week one and maybe all season, here we are. The Packers should win this game. It's another step that, that this young team has to take. Dealing with success, winning when they should, and now when they have to. In order to keep their, their goals alive and keep their seeding options as good as possible. On the Giants' side, last year, after winning coach of the year, Brian Dable is... Coaching for his life, right now, he needs some wins. Got to get this team headed in a better direction, and they're at home, and they're going to come out ready to go. If they're not, the Packers need to strike first and strike often, and just do the thing. Just run them out of the, run them off their own field. The Packers had not scored a touchdown in the first quarter all season until we got to the Lions game, and now the Packers have scored four. In the last two games, if you count the defensive touchdown that they scored in Detroit, they're finding the end zone early. Jordan Love is playing his best ball. He's quick. He's decisive. He's avoiding turnovers. Eight touchdowns, zero interceptions in the last three games. The defense is getting pressure on the quarterback. I think they'll have a big challenge with Saquon Barkley. The Packers' run defense is not very good. Hasn't been all season. This is the obvious thing, right, where they've had some struggles. I go back to that Raiders game where Max Crosby is the one guy you can't let destroy the game, and they kind of did. You just can't let that happen. You cannot let Saquon Barkley run all over the place. You've got to force the thing that's not good, Tommy DeVito in the passing game, to beat you. There is no Darren Waller. He's on injured reserve. He won't play in this game. The Packers have everything in front of them if they can just bottle up 26, and I'm asking a lot. Because it's Saquon Barkley, and I don't care how tough that things have gone for the Giants. I said Barkley has only one touchdown all season. I feel like I know the Packers are not really bad at this, but I it always seems like whenever a team is struggling, they get kind of get back on track a little bit against the Packers when they play them. Even if they don't beat the don't beat Green Bay, they still end up you know like Barkley gets in the end zone, but the Packers win the game type of thing. Just the obvious thing. Please take care of that stop the run for one for once. Joe Barry, if you want to get us back in your your in your good get back in our good graces, stop the run. Stop the run. Get, you know, get big, stop the run, but don't go do not turn in a performance like they did against Tennessee last year where, okay, hey, I bottled up Saquon Barkley at 35 yards rushing. Yeah, but you let Tommy DeVito throw for 300 yards or 250 yards and three touchdowns. Like we're not here to trade. You got to do both. We're not here to trade, but you need to stop the run and make Tommy DeVito be, if if he can beat us, if he can beat, if he, as a third string quarterback, then great tip the cap, Fine. Cheers to the giants. And it sounds easy enough, but you know, Saquon's still one of the best backs in football. So should, would, could all that kind of stuff, but the obvious things can't, they can't beat you. They can't beat you. It's, I already talked about it. This young team has already has more in front of them. They're already in a better position. They have to focus, they have to go play like they have these last two weeks. And also importantly, come out of this game healthy because they'll have four games left and next week gets tough as well. They return home, now it's in Lambeau Field, but they're gonna face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are hungry. They wanna clinch their division. They wanna win their division. They wanna grab a, a good playoff seating. They wanna play January football as well. And this is just not not a game where and i i think if there's one advantage to this team being young and having gone through the struggles that they did is that they cannot possibly be cocky. I mean, I guess they could possibly be cocky, they should not be cocky. And think to themselves, "Hey, we got this Giants game in check. Let's start prepping for Tampa next week." Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Win this game, play four quarters, play solid football, get on the plane, come home, rest up, get treated. And get ready to come out next Sunday and kick some ass. By the time you're listening to the next Quick Slants podcast, I hope that we're talking about the Packers having won two games in seven days and being eight and six. That's the goal, that's the hope. And the Packers obviously know this as well. And and that's what what they what they need to do. Just go out and do the damn thing. You're a young team. Don't worry about all the what if, what if. Just go play. Just go be young and dumb. Go be young and dumb. And I say that meaning don't you know? Don't worry about all the stuff the veterans know to worry about. Don't worry about that stuff. Just be oblivious to it. Just go play. Just go ball the hell out. Ball the hell out. Win this game by two or three scores against the Giants. You owe them one. They embarrassed the Packers with 14 points in the fourth quarter in London last year it sucked. I'm in Phoenix. I had to get up at six o'clock in the morning to watch that game. I didn't really care for my team not putting up a W after I got up so early in the morning to to watch that game after a fantastic night out the night prior with my friend Monty Moore, aka Atford Turgeson on Twitter. <laughs> we owe him one, so let's go give him one. Happy Monday to everybody. Hope your week is off to a great start. Hope the Packers game is a good one for you. Enjoy it. I hope everyone's gearing up for a nice holiday season and staying warm wherever they're at. I'll be back again next week. I'm Jason Perrone. Follow me on x slash Twitter at Jason Perrone. Follow Game on Wisconsin at Game on WI. As always, it's a Monday Night Football national TV. Gotta do well. Get in the playoffs and see what happens. Monday Night Football game between the Packers and the Giants. As always, Go Pack Go. Off play action. Back to the road. Prescott with time. Right to sit the middle for the Intercepted! Intercepted. Jair Alexander to the 20. Cutting left, 25-30. He's got an escort to the 35-40. Hurdles a defender across the 50. And in the Dallas Territory.